And I think once you start racking up like seven ties, um, like, come on. <laughs> I think Complete we should a game, get bonus. finish a game. Finish I, I a game. I think that we should get extra, like super extra bonus points for going six and zero against Northern. <laughs> <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to a special bonus edition of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Last week, we went extremely long, recording over two hours of content with our guest, Matt Wellens, and it was so good we decided to split it up for the public into two shorter podcasts. Some of the content you're about to hear was in Season 2, Episode 18, but this is the unedited version the patrons received covering the East vs. West divide in college hockey and the perception of the WCHA from the outside. Once again, our guest this week was Matt Wellens from the Duluth News Tribune and host of the Bullzog Insider Podcast. Since this is a special bonus episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about one thing. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. We'll be doing a monthly Zoom chat with a special guest. These monthly chats are available at the white level, which is just $2 a month. If you have anyone you'd like to suggest for one of these chats, please let us know. In the past, we've done uh, coaches like Joe Sean and Brad Patterson, a former tech player and coach in the USHL. We've had John Scott. We did one with this year's captains. I'm not really sure where we're going to go next with that, but I know we've we've reached out and we'll try and have Joe Sean on maybe in March here. Since the podcast started, we've also done extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. All the content you're about to hear was part of the Patreon-only podcast released last week. At the gold level, for $10 a month, you get access to everything we've mentioned and the Zoom video of our podcast, which is usually released on Monday nights or Tuesday mornings, depending on how late we go and what's going on with my life. You also get an authentic MTU jersey patch for being at the black level or above. All right, enough of the sales pitch. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and get to the bonus episode with our guest, Matt Wellens. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Let's get right into the selection process for the 2021 NCAA tournament in the East-West Divide with Matt Wellens. I, I listened to what Mike Kemp had to say, how they're doing the tournament. And, and one of the things he mentioned was um, kind of they're honoring the, the spirit of the pairwise. So they're treating those overtime wins and losses as, as ties until it gets to the point where they're comparing uh, two teams. So I actually went back through my, uh, you know, I, I keep a rough, 
kind of database and notes on on the teams that I'm voting on and such. I try to be as informed as possible. I'll admit it doesn't happen every every week. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh crap! I got to get this ballot in within the next five minutes. So let's. Uh, <laughs> those weeks I don't change it really much. And really as a voter, you shouldn't be changing it drastically week in, week out, unless something crazy happens. But I went back and changed those records to, to try and get them to reflect maybe like what the NCAA tournament committees uh, going to be looking at. And um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if they do do that because that could affect the eligibility of, of some teams. I believe like UConn right now is technically under 500, but then if you go to their actual, um, record. If you turn all their overtime wins and losses into ties, um, they're they're above five hundred. So these are all <laughs> things that yeah that probably need to be. So are they above five hundred or not? Yeah, it's it's you tell me. Yeah, yeah, like deal. welcome to college hockey. We don't know what a win and a loss is. We don't know what overtime means, and now we don't know what a team's record is. So um, and it often comes because we just can't disagree in this sport. The the, the east and the west have two very different uh, perceptions of, of what this should be. Um, and even in the West and the East, you have sub, you know, factions of, of what college hockey is. Is this just a feeder for the NHL? Is this just a, another minor league or, you know, there's so many compete, you know, there's people that want to hang on to the past so hard and, and that, you know, they think ties are good. They like ties. Um, <laughs> I feel personally attacked here all of a sudden. Ties are, I hate ties. And, and I've heard from coaches that are, you know, I heard a coach that was angry that, you know, we're giving 55% for an OT win and 45 for a loss. That's garbage. Like, and I kind of agree. It is like a win should be a win. A loss should be a loss. Like, yeah, I have no problem with that. You know, I just don't think a tie after OT is a bad thing. I feel like we should play longer three on three and shootouts should be treated differently. I agree. Cause they I'm are fine very with, different. I'm fine with shootouts being counted as a tie and only in conference points. That's perfectly fine. I can live with that. Yeah, any any win that's not a shootout is a win. Any loss that's not a shootout is a yeah. loss. And then if it's a shootout for the NCAA pairwise, whatever, it's a tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think everybody anyways, would be perfectly you know, fine a, with that because anyway, that that makes a team build a better team because you can't just play defensive. Because if you get to the overtime, you're not going to be able to continue that defensive structure three on three. And, like right, you're just and I don't not even care if like the overtime is just. You could do an overtime of five on five overtime. You could do four on four overtime, three on three overtime. I don't care. Five minutes of five on five was the biggest waste of five minutes in everyone's life. That's true. Because oh teams right. just, I don't just teams just killed the my, the first. They'd come out the first minute, maybe try and get that goal, and then all right, let's not do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't want to lose the point. They didn't want to lose the point. And, um, well, if you didn't have the useless shootout backing it, then maybe it wouldn't be a problem. Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I 1,000% agree with what Matt just said is that it was just a useless five minutes. You knew it was just basically five minutes of defensive hockey to get everyone a free point, and then they're moving <laughs> on to the shootout. And then no fan wants to see that, at least no fan that's, like, been a been a part of the game as long as, you know, any of the, any of the hosts of this podcast have been because we like to see a team game decided – by team plays. I mean, this is we only see it decided. You this know, this is like, America. We like winners. We want a winner and a loser here. We don't want a tie. <laughs> That's why we haven't warmed up to soccer quite yet over here. Says the Aston Villa fan and such. So, anyways, the, but the NCAA, the NCAA fights on everything. I mean, this regional structure itself. Like we're joking about twenty five percent capacity is what it's the NCAA is going to limit to every year. 
Right, right. I watched Minnesota and I watched UMD and Minnesota play each other in Manchester, New Hampshire one year in front of five people. Like, yeah. come on, right. you know, uh, these, yeah, these yeah. regionals. Are... Well, and this is how many years now we've had the Midwest regional in the East? Yeah, we're putting, yeah, yeah we're like putting, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Mid- my favorite part of the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, Allentown's, Pennsylvania. Allentown's actually a really good regional site. I, I liked it when UMD was out there, but it shouldn't be called the, Midwest. the Midwest. It should be the East regional. So, um, we, yeah, we can't exactly. agree on what geography is in this sport. Um, what happens in college hockey is people try throwing out new ideas. No one can agree on it. And then we just said, well, let's just leave it alone. And, uh, and I wonder if that's what happened with the, with the tournament here as well. If we couldn't agree on a neutral on one site, either in Minnesota or Boston or somewhere, um, there probably was a group that said, you guys are right that, oh, COVID will be gone by then. Who cares? Like, just leave it as it is. Um, that's probably how we got into the, the spot we are. So we keep going back to some of these bad regional sites as well. I mean, I've heard nothing good about Bridgeport, Connecticut. I haven't been there yet. Uh, UMD oh, has there's a really good. There's a really good brewery that's real close. Oh, there we go. You know, Manchester, um, New Hampshire, that regional site, that rink is old. It's so old and outdated. And at least Allentown's like a new rink and everything. And it's nice and it's modern and that. Um, but you know, some of these rinks, uh, Worcester's another one that keeps coming up as a, as a regional site, both Worcester and Manchester. I've been to those. There's no press box for the media. We literally are like sitting up in the stands and they got a table that you <laughs> sort of can work off of. Is this, and, is this the point such. in time? Is this the point in time when I can advocate for my personal idea for how we fix the, the regionals, NCAA regionals? Go for it. My idea is we have an East and we have a West super regional super regional doesn't need to be all games at the same arena. And the idea would be, and and I know some people will hate this part of it, but the West regional is the top eight teams in the West. The East regional is the top eight teams in the East. It's it, it legitimately is regional. Yes. It, Does there have to be a certain amount of interleague play done during the season to make this all work too? Or not what? necessarily. Right. <laughs> so you, you split the country in half. You got the West and you got the East. And the idea would be the West regional, you try to recreate the final five atmosphere. It's in the same city every year. And you know, it's going to be Western teams that are going to be there. The eight best Western teams every year at the same place the eight best mm-hmm. eastern teams every year at the same place the two best from each go to the frozen four yeah i don't th- i don't like the idea of regionalizing it i like the idea of super regionals uh specifically i'd put one in st paul and one in boston and i just have the super regionals at those two sites every year i know that hurts the nchc because they like they have their frozen face off um at at xl energy center but um I don't like the idea of splitting that because now you're limiting how many teams can, can come from a conference, uh, say a year, the NCHC, it'd be, it'd be tough. Like this year when the ECHC is not playing. This year when the ECHC is not playing. Now we're taking what, six hockey East teams and two from Atlantic hockey. Like that's, that's, and then, you know, what do you do about the, the, the independence? I don't think you can reach, this is the year. If you were that this year, that plan should actually would have worked. Like this would have been this would have been the year where you do two super regionals because it is tough to put 16 hockey teams 
in one location. It's easier to basketball teams not have as much equipment and as many personnel. It's probably a lot easier to consolidate those tournaments. Hockey, it is tough to get 16 teams in, into one building. It's tough to get eight teams in into one building. There's very few that can do it. Ralph Ingolstead Arena is one of them, and they figured out how to do it in Omaha as long as there were no fans. Um, like literally the team gift store, the team shop was turned into a locker room for for three weeks your locker room right what's that umds wasn't it umds locker the teams room? all ro- was the store? teams all rotated oh, okay someday the equipment managers who worked that will get together to form a documentary uh and <laughs> complain about i'd love to get every, all eight nchc equipment managers together with uh, a keg of beer and just listen to them swear at the league for the three weeks of, of hell that they all probably went through um, literally rotating locker. They wanted to rotate locker rooms to make sure it was fair for everyone. So um, yeah. And, and you know but, what the, the regional, the regionalization is, I I know that is the, the most controversial part of what, like of that proposal, but at the same time, and it, everybody's going to have their own opinion. I like the positives of it more than I like the negatives of it. I love the idea of knowing every year you're going to have the eight best teams in the West and the eight best teams in the East, right? It becomes an annual event then. Problem is, where do you draw the line for what's East and West? Does Penn State count as a Western you, you team have, or are they an Eastern And that's team? another thing. It's well, America. We can't agree what's East and well, what's West. Well, you know, I like, don't The problems that. are Penn State and Air Force, right? Those are the problems. I don't ag- sure. I don't agree I don't agree with the fact that yes Penn State's in the west Air Force is in the east but if you're going to do it it needs to be done by conference so yes Air Force would have to be an eastern school Penn State would have to be a western school there's no really other way to do it than that Yeah I don't the, the one I don't think there's an even I'd have to double check this but I don't think there's an even number of teams in the east and west either which I, I don't I'm pretty think pretty sure you're you're heavily skewed toward the east yeah I think, I th- yeah the east I the believe, east yeah. might not like this plan because um even though atlantic hockey's i mean yeah. honestly you got, if you, you got four, from, four from hockey four from hockey east three from ecac one from atlantic hockey that would seem you know reasonable each year um the problem is you're gonna have ecac arguing they should sometimes have four and hockey east should sometimes have five and the nchc's there's some years that hockey should have league. three though they should right um you know it fluctuates there's years the nchc should only have uh three had umd not gotten that win against st cloud and lost out here you could argue that's just a three-bit league this year right but um, it's, so it's just, it's, it's just a change in your mindset right you're not you're not comparing yourself against the rest of the country in in trying to get into the tournament if that was the the format the whole mindset would be you're comparing yourself against the other teams in your half of the country Dustin, your idea will never work because it's new and it's different and it's innovative <laughs> and it's and awesome. That's, and that's not what we want to do here. In well, I have hockey. always agreed with you that the college hockey should go to two super regionals, but I do just disagree with you. I think it should end with four teams going to the Frozen Four. Yet. I agree. Yeah, you just no, play in that. two buildings so that, that I said that yeah there's two places that people go to because I'm far more likely to go to a regional if there are 16 or 8 teams that go there 
to to pare down to two yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I said. And I get to watch three days of games. I've said that forever. You have basically two sub-regionals there where two teams play Thursday, two games played Friday, and the winners of all those games play each other on Saturday. I get three days of two games for for a, for one regional. Like, that would I would love that because I feel like I get the value. I feel like I have a better chance of wanting to stick around because I'm going to see good hockey. Like that's what you mm-hmm. do. That's the way it yeah, should be because then regional. you get like Detroit Bo- or you get Detroit Boston um uh probably Pittsburgh or or uh you would get bigger you get some bigger go, venues but... uh, in play for these regionals if you were playing like you said you're looking at six game what would be six games. So you're talking games three over nights, three, six yeah. games over 3 days. It definitely adds uh more to the value of a of a hockey weekend than what these regionals are now, which is, you know, a, a Bulldog fan, you might fly out to Manchester, New Hampshire, or Providence, um, or Worcester, or wherever to watch your team play one game and, and be done. And they're in an Eastern regional where um, I, I think Dustin has a point, like you want to see teams that you, you're kind of familiar with. And I think the super regional in general would actually would do that. I think if you had the two regionals, one in the East, one in the West, you're going to, because you have eight teams there, you're going to six of those, Heck, even five, five or six of those eight teams are going to be from the Midwest. And then it's going to get a little more national feel because um, I was going to say Boston College would, would come out to to the West, but that never happens. They always get slotted <laughs> out, out East. We need some BU fans to co- complain about that. Um, you know, but you might get a BU that comes out to the West every once in a while. And and that fan base might be willing to come out and, and travel for, for the weekend because Hey, our team might be one and done, but there's there's going to be more games to to watch uh, throughout the weekend. So, um, and more teams you likely either like another team from your conference or another team right. you generally care about or have a rooting interest for or against in. Like, basically, once your team's out in the regular regional, you're basically skipping out on one game and find right. Like that's a big difference. And what's well, and you're also things. and you're also getting a much bigger city that most of us want to go check out or be at yeah. versus going to Fort Wayne or, or uh, Cincinnati where I had to drag 30 kids out there. I mean, part of the problem with the regional process right now is none of these arenas are making any money off them. It's why Grand Rapids got out of the business of, of hosting regionals. They were losing money. Um, I got to know the people at the Resch center and, in green Bay, they got out of it too. They could make more money hosting high school state girls basketball tournament than they could hosting NCAA regionals. Cause if they didn't get the right teams, IE Wisconsin um, or Michigan loses in the first round, like they did the one year out there uh, and you end up with, God, I can't even remember. It was Ferris state and someone else and playing in the cha- Denver and Denver playing in the cha- sure. championship. Yeah. I think you're right. Denver's got um, eight fans total. Yeah, Denver only had eight fans travel, and Ferris said it's ten people go along with and uh, to Green Bay. But you know these sites are losing losing money again. I like I said, I was out in Manchester one year where they had UMD in Minnesota playing an opening round game, and uh, BU was in that regional, and maybe half the building because they played it at like BU played at like three o'clock on a friday or something like that some stupid time because that's when espn said they should play um so the building was already half full and you know three-fourths of the people left so a quarter of those fans stuck around to watch 
UMD Minnesota and the Bulldogs got off to a good start and then everyone left. And the next thing you know, it's the third period and there's no one playing in an empty building in Manchester, New Hampshire. And it was, that's so wild. And it was just, yeah, like it was just so bad. Like, it was like the worst. It's it's a bulldog gopher game, yeah, and and there's no one exactly there. Exactly it. Like as as a fan that has really no rooting interest in either of those teams. When I went to Icebreaker that one year that Tech was involved, I was like, oh my god, I get to sit here and watch UMD Minnesota. But I don't think like, fan. But that's fan. The, that's the other fans game, in you know, Boston. Like, that's I, not a, I, I you know. It. It's like, are we going to stick around to watch? It's fans everywhere, though, and obviously our tech experience in going to tournament is relatively fresh and new, right? But yeah, the few games I've gone to, I don't. I'm gonna if I'm gonna travel that far, I'm gonna watch all the games I can. I'm gonna be there at the beginning to watch both exactly. games. I'm gonna watch whoever's in the final, no matter who they are. And exactly, the tech fans' mindset is: I get to go there and watch one of the great rivalries in college hockey. Even if my team's not involved, I get to like sit there and take in that atmosphere. Yeah, but it right. wasn't an it atmosphere. Cool. It's not an atmosphere without the it, fans there. Right, and that's the big problem. Yeah. So if you, yeah. yeah, if you're not in Minnesota where that happens, Matt, it's not an atmosphere. Like that's very fair. There's not going to be an atmosphere if that game's played in Detroit, even like right. because Michigan fans don't care about that game. I, like they, I hear you, but the other thing for me is it's like if you were to watch Northern and Tech anywhere in the world, like Vegas, like even if there's not that many fans there, just the pure hatred on the ice makes it worth watching if i was to watch that game and i understand that i'm just a hockey fan that would watch any garbage hockey we are the exception to the rule i understand the school that used to go to the final face off every year even though your school wasn't in it so (laughs) we just like watching hockey we never did the final face off matt we never did that sorry the final the final five the final well we we actually started going because our team did make it once and then we kept going i can't everyone i i was so when the nchc announced frozen face off i was like really you just took like names from other tournaments and can we stop with frozen and final and four like there isn't like everything has some uh twist on it i like that the wcha now just has the wcha championship I feel like everything doesn't have a name. I do. I screw this up. I, I joke and, now. And it's called the between the men and the women. They're playing in the final frozen face off, something <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, tech fans, you guys love hockey. You're going to go anywhere to watch hockey. You're a different breed. But um, I think you find, you know, like the bean pot isn't a big deal out here in, in the Midwest. You know, people in Michigan and Minnesota don't get all excited for, for the bean pot. Um, so. I mean, I remember when, you know, I, I'm an, again, I'm a, if I'm going to go to the tournament, I'm going to watch the hockey games. I may not be as into it um, as I usually am, but when Northern was at XL and they lost in double overtime, I think it was to St. Cloud. Um, I think that was the late game that day. I can't remember exactly, but um, you know, I came back the next day to watch St. Cloud versus Wisconsin uh, for the regional final. And I knew a lot of Northern fans that didn't, they just decided to continue bar hopping around the, uh, uh, downtown St. Paul and such. So I would have attended in Fargo after we lost to St. Cloud. There was except so much money the North Dakota made. fans just there gave us so too much, much money damn money. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, I didn't really I didn't really want to go because of how disgusting that game was at the end. Yeah. You, and if it hadn't been like I went to all the games in Cincinnati, but it's different. I had a I had a cousin and a couple friends that got free tickets to go watch uh Ferris State and Denver. They're like, Matt, is this a good game? And I'm like, yeah, Denver's a prolific program and 
Ferris is a is a big underdog, and um, they're both good hockey. Ferris pro- won. Yeah, Ferris Didn't won play. it to go to the the Frozen yeah. Four. That, that was the year that Ferris upsets. was the national runner up. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I had a perfect bracket that year. Yeah, mine probably was awful. Somehow Mine's nice. always awful. <laughs> um, so you know, Michigan fans just gave away their tickets to everyone in, in Green Bay. They couldn't even sell them. Um, yeah, so losers. I, the entire regional process is broke. Like it was broke before <laughs> COVID. You would have thought maybe COVID would have changed things, but once again, here we are in college hockey. You know, not wanting to change. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago where we tried to eliminate three on three overtime and shoot it. We just tried to eliminate overtime in general and just keep ties. Like tried to go back in time to the, the nineties. Cause the, that's what the East wanted. That's right? what some people in the East wanted. And I remember calling up yep. a couple of bulldogs. Uh, two of them were, were younger. I called up Scott Kredovich <laughs> and I called up Maddie Rooney. I wanted two different perspectives of, of men and women. And like Scott Perenovich was like confused and I forgot. And it made me realize, wow, I'm old. He's young. Um, he said, <laughs> so wait, we're going to have ties like soccer. Like he was at an age where he just didn't remember. Like, I think people forget like how long the NHL has broken ties. Now they either had shootouts or four on four and now three on three. Like there's a generation of kids out there that, um, you know, don't know hockey to have ties. And here we were trying to bring ties back into the game. It's, it's crazy. The, the sport is hard to change. It's so, so hard to change. It's stubborn. And that's probably why we're in when in the spot we're in. Um, I'm really curious how this selection process is going to go. Oh, man, there's going to be some pissed off people no matter what happens. There's going to be some mad people no matter what happens. If a team has to drop out, someone's going to be turbo mad about who gets in in their place. It's right. If there's more than one ECAC team, that is bullshit. Unless, unless somebody, <laughs> uh, uh, somebody comes out and wins a league tournament, that's not the favorite. Well, Quinnipiac. I just want to see two Atlantic hockey teams in and just watch everybody else explode. Our, our friends from Seymour Sports said they think they should get more than two. I was like, "There's not enough spots in the field." I'm sorry. Like, and I guess it it does kind of go back to what your commissioner said about like the history. Like, you just can't. No matter what the pairwise and the Cratch say, you can't give that league. Yeah, I think a couple yeah, teams. I, you just can't. I actually thought that was a. I liked the proposal of Josh Fenton to to slot it per league because is that the uh, one he wrote this year or the one he wrote like six years? No, ago? that was the one that this year. <laughs> I I laughed at your Twitter. This is a complete inside thing. People actually pay attention to Matt's Twitter. Saw it was it was this week or last week when you got in the argument with somebody about an article that he posted from 2013. I was like, what are you talking about? How did I get dragged into this? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a guy I don't agree we with are, um, on Twitter anymore. Cause he is. So, so Matt, as a, Matt, as a, as a podcast, we are 100% in favor of the complete historical <laughs> record NCAA tournament yeah. policy. The 16 teams that have won the most championships. The, yes, makes right. the 16 the teams that's with the most championships makes the tournament. And we're all good. I think everybody on this call is happy there. <laughs> I uh, I thought it was funny when you can like, even get Northern in at that point. I thought it was funny yep. when they were breaking like, well, how far back do we go? Do we go back two years, four years, seven years? Do we go back to 1949? 70, 70 years. And, and I'm like, really? 1949? <laughs> we're going to go back to yeah. historical data to 1949? So. Whoever's won the most championships. I think we'll Come cut on. it off at six, 65-ish. Is yeah, 60, right. 65. Yeah. Well, how far back do we go? Then Arizona State doesn't even exist, yeah. right? Right. Like, oh, we're not, you know, 
well, there were a lot more, there used to be a lot more independence. Now we got to go, that might actually give Long Island and Arizona state a shot because mm-hmm. independence going back to whatever have so much chance. So yeah, didn't Anchorage make it as an independent? The Alaskas were independents for a long time. I believe Anchorage was an independent. Anchorage, Anchorage made the NCAA tournament as an independent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, I kind of liked that idea because I liked the idea of, what I love about the pairwise, I don't fully understand the pairwise. Again, I'm a graduate of Northern Michigan University. <laughs> math is not our specialty over there. Um, heck, I basically got out of the one math class I had to take because I told the professor I was the hockey writer, and he said, "Oh, one? I I relate. I took, I'm a I took humanities one major one? with a tech degree. So I took I one math. It. One math. I took one math. You got class. a degree with one math class. One math class. One science class. I don't know how I many times I had to get take away statics with less than two math classes." At, with a humanities degree, tech would not let me get away with less than two. And math my science class, class yeah, because we have pride. So <laughs> I, I have a tech degree with uh, one math class, and it was an MIT. Hey, one of so... my math okay, classes. Okay, okay, okay. Stop derailing. We're fifty-one okay. minutes in. We haven't even gotten on to topic number three yet. Okay. So let's go. Let me let me ask my last question. Oh my God, Matt! Let's that... go. One of the reasons we had you on was, what is the perception from the outside as a voter, even? of like the the WCHA and potentially how many teams they have a shot of getting in. Yeah, so this is I would say the WCHA there's different opinions on this. I've heard a lot of, you know, well the WCHA should only get one bid, Atlantic Hockey should only get one bid and such. But we got to remember like there's basically an entire league that's not playing this year. Like the ECAC has four teams who are just rotating against each other. Uh Quinnipiac um, as was actually brought up to one of our writers from the rink live from another coach, uh, messaged Who him and lost to this year. Quinnipiac Bowling lost Green. to Bowling Green. That's a very good right. point. They've right. lost to right. a WCHA team. Uh, to, uh, so is Robert Morris. So um, in the few yep. uh, interconference matchups out there, but uh, yeah, Quinnipiac is, is, you know, someone said they're basically an Atlantic hockey team because that's who they've been playing. That's been the majority of, of their wins. And, you know, when I go down and look at their schedule, I go, oh, yeah, look at that. They're they're an Atlantic hockey team. So I'm I'm fully on board with ECAC only getting one team, even if that's not Quinnipiac. Like if Quinnipiac doesn't win the conference tournament, I don't I don't think they should get in. Now, I think I'm in the minority of that because I believe in the USA Today, USA Hockey magazine poll today. Quinnipiac was ranked 10th. Um, I should find that on my email here real quick. I, well, I have a feeling Here that the smoke filled room will have a better sense of things than voters yeah, as Quinnipiac, far as like Quinnipiac is tenth right now. Like that's insane. The people voting for Quinnipiac are obviously looking at just the record of sixteen, five, and four, which uh what do I have them down for actually? Um they're actually if you turn the again the OT wins and losses into ties, they're fourteen, four, and seven. And they are 0 and two against Bowling Green. They're one, one and four against Clarkson. Um, so they're not even dominating their league right now. Clarkson would be the only other ECAC team uh, that has any at large shot at all. And um, you know, the one win, I guess Quinnipiac can point to is they're, they're two and zero over at um, American international. So um, oh. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Big. Whoa. <laughs> so, you know, I have heard the argument that Atlantic hockey should, 
you know, their regular season and their postseason champion should get in. And the same with the ECAC. I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, I don't think the WCHA is in that same boat as, as ECAC and, and hockey East or in, as the ECAC and Atlantic hockey. And the reason for that is that there is a bit of parody. I know Minnesota state has really dominated uh, the league this year, but you know, as I start looking, you know, head to head is a big, big, big component um, that they're, they're talking about for um, picking the tournament here. And when you look at, um, you know, Minnesota state, I believe they have a winning record over, over everyone, but you know, Bemidji not state's got to win Bemidji's not us, not you guys. They're, they're even against us. They're so even far, against us. so far guys. Yeah. So we have a weekend to go here, which may very well we, change. We, won, and that's we, we win one for, next week and tech has an extremely strong. Well, let me, t- I'll, yes. I'll break down tech for you. And this is the notes that I have. Basically what I have with the notes, of these teams, I've converted their records into basically counting overtime as ties. Um, so taking us back to the nineties and then, you know, I, I put tech's record against, I have five teams in contention for the WCHA right now. That would be in the conversation mm-hmm. though. Let's face it. Lake State's, a, Lake, State, Lake State's a bubble. I mean, Lake State has some good wins, but yes, bubble uh, sweeping bowling green. They're, they're a very good, they're a very responsible defensive team that doesn't have the guns to do well on the national I mean, stage. Let's, let's start here with, so the criteria for the NCAA tournament is you got to play 13 games this year, which is lower than normal. You also have to be 500 sure. or above. There's actually only 26 teams this year that are, that are eligible for the tournament. Oh, yeah. at this moment. I was going through that because I, I did do that too. Like I went and pulled the Cratch and the Pairwise and took out all the teams below 500 and then sorted them by conference to just be like, because that's really what you can compare with pairwise yet. Yeah, and I believe is and I, within conference. Yeah, and I believe five of those 26 teams are from Atlantic hockey. So again, you might as well throw five of them out. Yeah, get rid of them. Throw, throw four of those five out because you're only going to have one left. I, I've kind of narrowed it down to there's 20 teams that have a legit shot at the NCAA tournament at this point. Some people might think that's low, but that's actually usually where we are in the pairwise at, at this point, like there's not a lot mm-hmm. of teams, but the fact yeah, that we other than those that win conference, yeah, the fact yeah. that we only yeah, and then win your conference tournament. I want to see. Uh, there's I like, want to see Jim Dahl's normal predictions. You know that he usually runs every year about this time, which just just bullshit. And twenty teams are just <laughs> yeah. I don't care. It's these twenty maybe. <laughs> I mean, really, there's only twenty teams that have realistic shot at at large bids, and I even think that's probably high. Um, you know, so I, I tech is on that bubble. Uh, they're very much on that bubble right now. What hurts them? I have them at 16, eight and two overall this year. The one and one against Minnesota state is nice. Um, what hurts them is probably the O and two against Bowling green and one and three against Bemidji state. And looking yep, at, yep. if you compare their record as a, we know that if you compare their record as a whole, uh, I'll focus on tech. Cause that's most of your listeners here. And we'll, I'll run down some of the other WCHA teams, but you know, tech is against Mankato Bowling green, Bemidji and Lake State, if we include mm-hmm. Lake State in this conversation, um, yeah. who Lake State's record, I only have at eight, four, and seven. They've had a lot, like, again, that's an inflated. Did you remove their D3 in your standings? Yes, I did. Same with Bowling Correct. Green. Okay, I, good. I, I take out, those wins I take, don't count. I get why those teams played some D3 teams. They're just looking to get games in at the right. time, but um, they shouldn't count, and I don't think the committee will count them either. So Lake State's no. essentially a 500 team because they have so many ties. Um but Tech is three eight and one against Mankato, Bowling Green, Bemidji, and Lake State. Um, no, we know, and yep. they basically dominated everybody else. That, but, yeah, 
They don't have a single loss against the other teams on their schedule. That's, right. why, and that's why I they say have a tie, you, need, you but, need some quality. You need yeah. some quality. I don't get too hung up on the losses, to be honest. I'm more of a guy when I look at the rankings, like who have you beaten? Who have you proven that you can beat out there? And that's and, why yep. if they win one game this weekend against Mankato and they can go into the, it huge 500 against Mankato. Huge. That is a huge, that huge. Yes. That's, that's a, that's well, your resume the, right there, right? There's I mean, two. Yeah. I think there's two. You say that you play Mankato there. four times and beat them right. twice. I mean, Bowling Green. Bowling Green's a bubble team. Yes, they're seventeen six and three, but they're two six and two against the other top teams of the WCHA. Like they also have racked up a lot of wins. Again, two wins over Quinnipiac, uh, a win over Robert Morris, and then beaten up on everyone else. You know. The reason why you see a lot of people, Bemidji's record is not impressive. Eight, five, and seven. They got a lot of bad losses, but they also have a lot of really good wins. They're seven, four, and five against the top yeah, teams. Yeah, they're in such the a league. hard team to gauge. It, it is. Like one There's... week, I think, man, there they are. And then they lose two games. So, in a then way, you, I feel then like. They're going to get swept by Northern. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, that's, and that, that can be, that can be killer. Um, so, but that seven, four, and five record against the top of the league. It's it's tough to ignore. They got winning records over Bowling Green. They got winning record over Tech. Uh, they've been competitive with Mankato. They got the winning record over Lake State. Um, Minnesota State, by the way, is six two and three against the top teams in the league. Um, again, their struggles have come against Bowling Green. Bowling or uh, sorry, Bemidji. Bemidji knows how to draw, get ties, guys. Like Tom Saratori can can and get out those those ties even um, now with three on three. I'm, I'm, I'm very, convinced that Bemidji knows how to play Mankato. Responsible coach, yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah. I'm convinced that Bemidji knows how to play Mankato. Saratori is a great coach, oh, yeah. and he has figured out he knows how 100%. to play Mankato. He's done well against North Dakota. He's done well against UMD. Mm-hmm. He does very very well yeah. against the top teams who just hate playing that style of play. Yeah, and that's the thing about Saratori that we're going to get into in a little bit is that Bemidji plays a very disciplined and responsible game, which a lot of teams. There. We'll see if we'll get there, but if we do, it's just Bemidji plays a very disciplined game. They've taken some of the fewest penalty minutes in the WCHA, and that's not by coincidence. You know, the WCHA, I would, th- I think it's a, I think two bids is definitely fair. I think you're going to see at least two teams, and then that there's a possible third bid, I think, from the WCHA as well. And part of that, again, is I sit here and go, okay, who are you going to give? Who else are you going to give these bids to? It's like when people at Scott Sandlin mentioned that UMD was in a tough spot after three straight losses and losing to Colorado college. And a couple of us went, but who do you replace UMD with? Cause you're probably given the NCHC four bids. You're going to give hockey East four. Um, even though they have six teams eligible. I, I mean, you're looking at four bids from hockey East four from the NCHC one from Atlantic hockey, one from ECAC. Um, and now you're kind of getting into that border area. Are you taking four or three teams from the big 10 to get to four teams from the big 10? You're looking at Notre Dame or Penn State, who are both pure 500 teams. Um, and they don't, you know, Notre Dame has a decent record against the top of the Big Ten, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. They, uh, they're actually even against Minnesota and Michigan. Uh, Penn State's got to start playing games here. They've been shut down for a month because of COVID. So I don't even have them on my radar at this point. They probably need to run the, the table. But, you know, how many bids are you going to give the Big Ten if you're only going to give them three? If you feel Notre Dame or Penn State isn't, you know, up there with Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, that could be where the third bid for the the WCHA comes from. Um, and then again, there's, I know there's going to be people in Atlantic hockey that, that want uh, 
Clarkson in, but uh, I believe Clarkson might have lost to St. Lawrence again tonight here. Uh, yeah, Clarkson just lost to St. Lawrence. So, um, again, if you're a WCHA fan, you want those teams out east. You want Notre Dame and Penn State to lose. You want Clarkson and, and the ECAC teams to lose. Uh, you don't want any teams the, in Yeah, the one, the one big to- benefit that the WCHA has this year, like you said, is we still have that requirement of being above 500. Yes. And since it's all within conference, that basically eliminates half of your conference. Uh, yeah, the NCHC, because, unless Western Michigan or Denver, the two teams I think in a one-and-done have the most likely chance to maybe maybe run the table, but North Dakota's really good, guys. Like That is that is undoubtedly the number one team in the country right now. And they get to play at and home. And they get to play at home in the conference tournament, and they're going to play at home in Fargo. Like They're going to the Frozen Four. They Major choke job there if they don't get to the Frozen Four this year. Uh, it reminds me job. of or COVID. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, Wisconsin going to Green Bay uh, for a regional and then having a, a frozen four in, in Milwaukee uh, somewhat here, the path that North Dakota has. So, so I always get back like what you guys are talking about. Yeah. The WCHA has five teams eligible at the moment for the, for the NCAA tournament. Atlantic hockey has five hockey East has six, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I would be shocked if hockey East got more than four because the, the teams you're going to start looking at now are, are Providence and and UConn. Again, I don't know if UConn's eligible or not. If you go by their straight win-loss tie record, they're under 500. But if you turn those wins and losses, overtime wins and losses into ties, they're they're in the field. So um, uh, there was a time, you know, there there's some bubble. T- I think yeah. that third WCHA team, the second and third WCHA team, they're competing against maybe a rogue second ECAC bid, um, which I think Clarkson – getting beat up on by St. Lawrence. Uh, oh, that's in women's hockey. I don't see Sorry. how you give, I don't see how you give two bids to a league. A that 14 has league. Yeah. Play. That's, that's, that's it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to I, me. I think it's fair Sorry, to say I was that. Looking at a, I was looking at a women's score on college hockey stats that, um, that it's, that's the same debate going on in women's hockey too, right now. Like how many ECAC teams are going to get into the tournament? Do you allow, even if you get an upset bid in the tournament, do you still allow two teams from a, a four-team league. I don't know. I mean, the argument for it would be you're going to take four out of eight teams from the NCHC. That's half of their league. You could take three to four teams from the Big Ten. That's over half their league. Um, they should have let Arizona State be honorary members this year just to say they're an eight-team league and get to four. So I, but I, I, my problem with the four-team league, and, and again, for ECAC is – they're just playing each other over and over. And yeah, Quinnipiac went and played Atlantic hockey, but that's Atlantic hockey. Like, and, and, and then they and played they Bowling Green, Green and, and they lost. lost. That's, so, and that's a very right, good, right. right. They went to, they played Bowling Green and they lost. I think so, it's, a, I think I mean, at this a, point it is a reasonable assumption and it might not be correct that the WCHA is going to get three teams I think three teams for the WCHA is is realistic, and that might be my Western bias, but part of it is, again... It seems like, like the most likely way that doesn't happen is if Penn State or Notre Dame go on a tear yeah. and screw up and get a fourth Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. That's that, really where it seems like it comes from. Right. If a four, yeah, if, because they'll be above 500 if they do something like that. And Notre Dame does have a, a decent resume here, guys. They're 2-2 two and two against yeah. Minnesota. They're 2-2 two and two against Michigan. They are all three and one against Wisconsin, but if Notre Dame can rack up some wins here, that's a team that could steal the third bid. 
That's from, true. The, from the yeah. WCA. Because, because Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan are probably they're in, in. They're in. They're, they're in. in. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. So basically, but but basically, the more we talk about this, the more you realize that Michigan Tech's hopes probably aren't as bad as I maybe thought. It's, no, it, I, I mean just tech, because of the limited if field. The WCHA is a, if the WCHA is a three bid league, it's between Bowling Green, Bemidji, Tech, and Lake State. And between, I don't even. Th- I, I honestly don't think. I honestly don't think Lake Superior State's in the conversation. They get my number twenty vote the past couple of weeks because I don't know who else to put at at number twenty. Like, but but, but but the other point we're talking about is even if if we have COVID issues, that still means that the door could open back up for for Bowling Green, Bemidji, Tech, or Lake State because there aren't that many other teams that have a good right. resume. Right, there's that not, are even eligible. Not a lot of break. eligible teams. Like they're Your going to be top twenty Grand Forks right now. You know, for, I would I would say for Michigan Tech, you want to root for favorites. You don't want upsets. You don't you know, you want the top teams to be winning these tournaments right now. Um, and so boo Denver, boo Western, yeah, boo Denver, wow. boo Western. You don't What's want Penn State there? or Notre Dame going on a tear. You don't want someone other than Quinnipiac winning the ECAC because uh, uh, just based that's, on, that's possible that based they get on the too, polls, if, just if based Clarkson on the polls, wins. people seem to want to give Quinnipiac again. The reputation is going to factor in. Like previous reputation. The, the interesting thing to me is though gonna, is how how different is that room compared to the polls? Like the polls are are guys like I'm not on it, but you're somebody that votes, and not everybody that that is a writer has the time to actually look in to like do the investment that you're doing. Well, neither do coaches. To be neither, like, are these teams actually quality versus do coaches that their record? The polls are a combination. There, there's a lot of. I can tell you the USCHO poll is a lot of coaches. It's coaches. There's okay. some SIDs and other uh, league administrators in there, and then there's a, a handful of writers. Um, Usually beat writer, you know, the, the longtime beat writers like myself, Brad Schlossman, Mick Hatton, um, guys like that. Oh, so a little dominant in your conference domin- there, huh? Well, I started voting in the USCHA, USCHO poll as a as a WCHA guy. So, well, CCHA yeah. guy, I guess. So um, that's where they were pulling me from. And then they just never let you out because it's so hard to replace voters. Once you start, oh, I don't blame them. Back when I did all the poll, it was hard. We would all vote. It's hard to get someone that consist. I consistently <laughs> turn in my ballot, and for the most part, on time. So, uh, no, Todd Maluski and company <laughs> I, will not. I feel that struggle from back when we ran the WCHA poll. Yeah, Todd, like it was tough. Todd will not let me out. I vote in the women's poll too, and and that's one. Um, when I heard other people who were voting in the women's poll, I'm like, wow, that's kind of skewed a certain direction. I was surprised that. And he goes, well we take who we can get it's even worse when you get to the d3 polls they're really just scraping the barrel for for vote it's tough it's a lot of work if you know i get it if someone doesn't want to do it because it's it's a lot of work and and this year i have tried to put some extra i've put extra effort in really researching these usually by this point in the season you know i usually treat these polls a lot different than the pairwise and, and such it's very much a what have you done for for me lately type thing um so yeah you do knock a team down for a bad weekend you boost a team up uh, for a good weekend, but you can't really do that now where I think the committee probably is going to look at these polls. They're going to look at anything and everything they can. Um, and if these polls can maybe back up their preconceived notions, they're, they're going to go with it. It's just like, look, yes. Hey, coaches and media are, are saying this team is good. So 
um, you know, we got to take them as well. Talking about the committee, is is the committee the same committee as it normally would be? So normally the committee yes. essentially just looks at the pairwise and places the teams, right? That's the same committee. So it's one representative from each league. Yes. Now, in addition to these committees, these have always existed, but we just started talking about them this year because they actually matter. Our regional advisory committees um, that allow that offer input to, to the league. So I believe each league has a representative. I don't know who the rep in the WCHA is, but I know in the NCHC uh, St. Cloud States, Brett Larson is isn't it the, Bob the Daniels. Rep. I think it's Bob, Bob yeah. Daniels. Okay. Bob Daniels last year. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's a person that, um, you know, the committee can go to and say, Bob, what do you think of the difference between this team and, and, and this team and, and, and such. Now, normally they don't have to ask these regional committees anything. They just look at the pairwise and, and go from there. But, so the question is, have we beaten Ferris better than Bowling Green? And yeah, have we played well against Ferris? But <laughs> we, Bob, you know, we have, I, we I've have, known yeah. Bob for a long time. Bob's probably, solic- you know, Bob's probably soliciting opinion. He's probably talking to everyone in the league. And then he's relaying yep. that information to mm-hmm. the, the rest of the, uh, you know, the, the regional committee and that's going up the ladder. There is some chain here. There's a lot of people involved uh, this year that more than we're probably used to. And I'm sure these committee members are, are going to reach out to people who have seen games. Um, you know, no one's reached out to, to me yet, but um, you know, that's probably a smart idea. I wouldn't trust what the heck I think <laughs> at this point, but I don't know. You're, you're one of the most knowledgeable people that I've heard talk about this. So but I have a but I have a I have a bias. I have a bias too here. Like I watch a lot of NCHC games. I watch a lot of WCHA women's hockey, but I don't have the opportunity to watch um the WCHA. I caught a few games early on. I had a month subscription to Flow Hockey um when I was Lucky. catching some early from early uh <laughs> some early games and to be honest, I wasn't really impressed with flow hockey, so I didn't make my. I, we do not we, need that derailment. We, no, no, we, not, we don't have enough time left. I did not make. I did not make my company pay for an additional month of it, mostly because the <laughs> UMD women were home, and um, my wife, who's also a Northern grad, was a little disappointed. She's like, "Oh, can I watch?" I'm like, "Yep, we can watch whatever WCHA and, and Atlantic hockey. Um, watch those games on on there as well, but." Um, you know, I do hope the committee is seeking out as CCHA next year. I think it's tough for anyone to, to watch every game in, in college hockey. Um, it's so fragmented, you know, even the NCHC is like on CBS sports network, but who gets CBS sports network? Like it's up. I do a really expensive. You Dustin does. Okay. I do. There's one. I get CBS yeah. sports network. It's, it's on. I've a, never watched anything on there, but I get it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, a lot of hockey East games are on NESN, but we don't get that here in the Midwest. The same, you know, it's regionalized and no one can afford all these streaming packages. It'd be really nice if more than two conference, like it'd be nice if all the conferences just went on flow or something like that. So you bought one fee to get them all. We all agree ESPN plus is the correct answer. If really wanted to generate more interest and enthusiasm and such, it, it would all band together and you know sign a group deal with ESPN Plus and you can Isn't watch this all the college, that college hockey, hockey on there. Inc. should like take up like ho- college hockey Inc. is supposed to be for all of college hockey. Isn't this something that they should be Please? like, hey, let's do it? Hey, if you're if you're listening in your car, pull over and rewind back to the portion where we talk about college hockey is stubborn and doesn't like to change and do any, <laughs> anything different. Never college like hockey the East Inc. and West is divide. supposed to be like that's new. That's well, they they like... promote. They're not the they're not the commissioner of the sport. They they're out there promoting the sport and and they they do a lot of outreach with College Hockey Inc. was formed really to 
to deal with major juniors. Yes, correct, Tim. Like they were, it was they were was to be count- the advocate when the coach wasn't allowed yeah. to talk to players. Yeah, yet. they talked to players. They talked to major junior players that that the coaches that the NCAA doesn't a- a- allow them to. Like they're they're getting educational resources out there because the NCAA is horrible at um, promoting its its sports and its brand and everything. Of course, most NCAA sports don't have competition against anything else. Right, but um, part so of, college part hockey of needed this with, marketing arm. Part of dealing with major juniors and promoting the sport is having a good vehicle for promoting the sport, which it would be a unified platform for streaming games, right? This seems like it would be fit into College Hockey Inc.'s... But then you're cutting into the bottom line of each conference and each team because the NCHC thinks they can make more money doing their own package, Well, it, which they probably it's can. It's difficult to convince. I don't know about the WCHA it's deal, difficult. but they probably can. And also the WCHA doesn't have to meet the minimum requirements of ESPN Plus this it's way. Difficult. It is difficult to convince each individual school and conference, I agree, but... A rising tide lifts all ships. You have other schools that have, you know, their own local deals. You know, UMD's games are all locally produced here um, by the the NBC slash CBS affiliate. They're on My Nine Sports. Uh, you know, North Dakota has Midco. Denver has um, Altitude Sports. Does some of their games. Um, Didn't Denver have a deal for a while there where they weren't allowed to be part of the? package for I your I believe that might have been in the early NCHC streaming it's package. Gone now, so, yeah, so I mean I always like, credit, I always I always credit the WCHA for being the first to hop on the the streaming bandwagon. That was that was awesome the first year. So, um when Northern went over to the WCHA, I loved watching those. Again, this is young single unmarried yeah. Matt um with just his dog watching games in alaska at 2 a.m um yeah usually you know you're calling me out here <laughs> uh, you know that that was yeah that was a you know single unmarried man watching games in alaska. matt doesn't even have a package though he doesn't even pay for it uh no i didn't i didn't that first season i did not well, pay not for it. the other matt oh, the I other matt yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i i didn't pay i didn't i didn't pay for it either the league was great then about giving me the uh free access to the games to, to cover them and, and such uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, that's a whole nother, that's a media begins. Well, with I, I get a free package. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't watched a hockey game. Yep. They give them to media of the WCHA. I can't get one for women's hockey. You can't get one for women. Nope. That must be a women's. I, I haven't, I haven't watched that's a game sexist. of a hockey between a team that like for a team that I care about in more than a year. I mean, I, as, as a voter in the poll, I try to, you know, I took a concerted effort because I was trying to gauge where Omaha should be ranked among the NCHC. I got, you know, I made sure to watch them um, a couple games here and, and I realized, oh, hey, I'm ranking them way too high um, and, and such <laughs> like that. But, you know, and I, and I do try and talk to, to other people as, as well. But no, I mean, college hockey is it's tough to change, guys. It's tough. And that could that could hurt. That, that could come into play when we're selecting the NCAA tournament field. There could be some people from out East that are saying, wait, we're going to allow four NCHC teams, three big 10 teams and three WCHA teams. That's a lot of teams from the West. Uh, what about the East? But I will say what the WCHA has going for it. And you guys have brought this up and I hope more people that I hope the selection committee notes. This is I do think those wins by Bowling Green over Quinnipiac are big. I think that's huge because if people are thinking Quinnipiac is – if there's a group of people that think Quinnipiac's the 10th best team in the country and Bowling Green has beat Quinnipiac and – Twice. 
Twice. Not split. Yeah, not a split. Swept. A clean sweep. And, you know, Tech needs to get wins over Bowling Green. Like That's, that's who the they need. exact opposite. They need, to, they need to run into Bowling Green in the in the WCHA tournament and get, get a win against them. That argument um, is the argument for Lake State. Lake State swept Bowling Green. Well, they're 1-0-1. One of those no okay. T win. So technically a tie. Like, it went okay, to overtime. So, so, overtime. Okay. okay. But bowling, but Lake State also is, you know, winless against Mankato and winless against Bemidji. So um and again, they're eight they only got eight wins. Like I know, seven I know. ties. I don't think but, and it's the same, it's gonna hurt Bemidji too. I think Bemidji is in a tough spot. Uh at eight, five, and seven, they have a lot of ties. Um I just think it's tough to ignore their their winning record against. They've got they've got the um, most impressive wins, so too. They do. They have the most impressive wins, but again, I'm a guy that values wins. You know, I am pr- big wins. You know, you're going to shoot up the board. You're going to lose bad games. UMD got swept by Colorado College this year. Um, you know, Tech hasn't, Clubs, Tech hasn't lost any bad games this year. We haven't and that's lost something a they game should, and that's, to a and bad maybe that's team. Something, and that's maybe something they should be rewarded for. It is weird that we we penalize teams for a bad loss, but we don't give them credit for beating up on all the teams they should beat up. Like we just ignore that they beat up on all the teams they beat up. I mean, I'm glad I'm not on the committee. I'm glad I'm just a guy who votes in what should be a meaningless poll and other people can decide <laughs> this at at the at the end. Uh I don't know. Maybe letting people know I'm a poll voter and they're going to come at me and think that I influenced the <laughs> NCAA tournament selection process and such. It reminds me a lot when all the coaches stopped wanting to be a part of the football poll because they were determining, like they were slotting teams way lower than they should be because they knew it would help their right. conference right. or their team do things or like, and, um, and it changed like things. Like Dabo Swinney, Swinney rating Ohio State like 10th in the country. To try to yep. drop them lower and then yep. getting beaten by them. playing these games to like screw them just to adjust things yeah. for yourself. Uh, that's yep. why that's why some of these uh ranking systems, what they do is they'll take out like a team's highest vote and a lowest vote sometimes like that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and such. But yeah, I don't know how the committee does. I don't know if they I don't know if the committee exactly knows how they're they're picking this field. I to go back to the committee, wasn't one of the things they brought up that they still valued quality wins? Yeah, quality wins was still on there, and, and I think. But how do you determine who's a quality win that's, that's when a, the rest of the pairwise isn't right? Right, that's like, going to be. I like does I think quality wins within conference. I think there's going to be, as much as they okay. say we're not going to slot things by conference, I think they're going to get to that point. I, I, you're basically going to have to go through. I don't think they like and rank yeah. the conferences individually, and then figure out where you draw the lines right. in each. Like one. how many bids does you're gonna this conference do. actually deserve? I think that a hundred percent is going to going to come into play. But um, but at the same, I time, don't think I think the NCHC need, plan need to use. You need to use the very few interconference games that we have as much as possible, right? Yeah, you have you do have to look at those. It's it's just tough when you get into there's so few so. I think when you're comparing WCHA teams to ECAC teams, that Bowling Green Quinnipiac game has to come into play. We have a big indicator Um, there, but it's not going to come into play when you're comparing a WCHA team to a Big Ten team, right? Or it's it's really too bad that Quinnipiac isn't 
doing really well in Hockey East and the same thing happened because that's right. a if much Quinnipiac bigger was, deal. Right. If Quinnipiac was a, a Hockey East team, if they had been playing a bunch of hockey... And they were hockey, like third or second yeah, or third. Yeah, if they played a bunch the, of Hockey yeah. East teams this year instead of Atlantic Hockey, this would be an entirely different discussion. You'd have Quinnipiac, you know, with... Uh, what do they got? 14 wins. And a lot of those are against hockey East and Bowling Green has beat Quinnipiac. Now all of a sudden you're sitting there going, Oh wow. The WCHA is legit, but it's just tough to know. Like how good is Quinnipiac? Cause I'm going to try and pull up their schedule here. But, it, uh, but, well, but basically really this year is the first year you don't have the big 10 and the NCHC using the WCHA as it's whipping. But what, post, what it, right. Well, that's so we're yeah. lacking that. What, yeah, it, what it tells yeah, you is not that. What it tells you essentially, it doesn't. It doesn't give you a comparison against the hockey against hockey East or NCHC or the Big Ten, but it it draws a pretty clear comparison between the WCHA, the ECAC, and Atlantic Hockey, in my opinion. And it it tells me that the WCHA WCHA is, is number one. Is of those three. the number one between those three conferences? Yeah, I think I think if you're ranking leagues right now the wcha is definitely above atlantic hockey and i think it's above ecac again here's quinnipiac looking at their top schedule they got sweep of sacred heart sweep of holy cross um they got the one win or they got the sweep of american international you know maybe if quinnipiac's wins were over like robert morris and army and air force it'd be a little different but like sacred heart holy cross you know the aic is AIC is a good wins. They got a 7-1 win over Long Island in here. Otherwise, it's, you know, St. Lawrence and Clarkson, and they're not dominating, you know. They're, they have a tie and a loss to St. Lawrence. They later went on this season. They've won four straight against them now. But, you know, they got Colgate coming up here. Um, they haven't dominated their ECAC teams that says, like, yes, we have to take them out of ECAC. Who's the, I best, think team, the best team that they've played this year is Bowling Green, and they got swept by them. Um, yeah, I mean, Bowling Green, I, I'd also compare them to Clarkson. I think Clarkson might be, uh, might be a decent team, but, but I don't know. Cause they haven't, they haven't played anyone. Um, yeah, probably not Clarkson. I mean, Clarkson's also played Atlantic hockey and, they, and they've struggled. They got losses to RIT Niagara. Um, St. Lawrence has done some damage in, in this league here. So. And that RIT loss is eight to five. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let me What's look going at going on there. You know, American, uh, American international even jumps out to me. Cause like, this is interesting. American international and Robert Morris have not played each other this year. So we've been giving American international, like by default, the, the top team in Atlantic hockey, but I don't, I don't even know if that's true right now. We're probably basing that off of, a reputation it is interesting that you know the two best team we even have in leagues right now where teams aren't playing each other evenly like the nchc was divided into an east and a west so like umd racked up six wins over last place miami you know that's a shot some that i've heard people take and it's a, a legit one to argue that you know umd hasn't played that tough of a schedule so um no the the resume between umd and michigan tech is relatively similar biddy and i had this discussion where we've both beaten up on the bad teams and we've gotten some wins over the good teams but we don't really have any winning records against the the top half of the league i think it's very similar yeah you know working for umd's favor right now is the the 1-0-1 record against uh nebraska omaha 
Um, they're one, two, and two against St. Cloud State. If they can win on Saturday over St. Cloud State, I think that helps a lot and puts that more even. Um, they're all one and one against North Dakota. They have an OT or a shootout win, I believe it is, over North Dakota. Um, so and they played North Dakota pretty tough too. That's a, that's a tighter all one and one, but you know, committee shouldn't be taking that into consideration. You shouldn't take into consideration how tough a, a team plays another team. You shouldn't, the committee shouldn't take into consideration that a team got blown out eight to three by another team. If we're honoring wins and losses. Wins and losses and all this. Yeah. We're counting wins and losses here. Yep. And I think once you start racking up like seven ties, um, like, come on. <laughs> I think Please we should get bonus. finish a game. Finish I, I a game off. Think that we should get extra, like super extra bonus points for going six and zero against Northern. <laughs> <laughs> well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Thanks again to Matt Wellens for joining us this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Anything you want to plug, Matt? Uh, yeah, uh, I have a podcast that doesn't go, it makes my podcast feel better now. I thought it went off the walls. We got the Bulldog Insider podcast uh, <laughs> in which we talk to uh, a lot of the, uh, maybe not all tech fans are interested in this, but uh, it's one-on-one interviews, uh, sometimes more than that with uh, UMD student athletes, coaches and such. Uh, you can catch my coverage. Uh, if you like college hockey, check out uh, therinklive.com. Um, it's an endeavor of the forum communications papers uh, covering uh, the NCHC, the Big Ten. We're, we're trying to expand our WCHA uh, coverage as, as well there, men's and women's hockey. And and uh, you can also find my stuff as well at DuluthNewsTribune.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Wellens if you need someone to make Northern jokes at. Yes, I've, I've heard them all. <laughs> well, if you ever need anybody from a tech perspective for that one, let me know. Yeah, don't talk to me because I don't have any kind of the, like formal training in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more to come. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email address, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasing MacPod. Nobody's taken us up on that one yet. I guess they don't want to hear their own voice on the podcast. Come on, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> let's forget. do it. Ask a question. We'll let's do it, somebody. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know, and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. By this time next week, we'll have had 5,000 plays, according to Inker. So that's kind of cool. Neato. Buy a t-shirt. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethinkynotes.bandcamp.com. And let's not forget Brandon Morizak, who didn't want me to do this because he thought it would be a waste of our minimum amount of resources, and it's turned into the only source of money we have. Wait, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon wants to do this? What? <laughs>